initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Jamming the most hip-hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. Infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. Woo! You understand that? This is live. Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Infamous Hour Live. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus, all social media platforms at the Infamous Amadeus. And by big request from the fans and the listeners of Boom Bap Nation, of course, the Infamous Amadeus, we are back with season three of the Infamous Hour. That's right, with pandemic. And and uh, and I know you guys have been watching a little bit on social media. We actually tried to transition to in-studio. We, we had Havoc from Mob Deep. We had the legendary Jazzo. Uh, we went to L.A. We had Sebo. Uh, we had Big Twins from Infamous Mob. And we had uh, J.O. Felony here in the Infamous Hour. But with the way COVID is going, we you know, for the safety of everyone, we are transitioning back to a digital platform. And so otherwise, you know, we're going to practice safety First, so make sure you tap into the infamous hour here on Boom Bat Nation. We are actually live right now, 9 p.m. on the East Coast and 6 p.m. on the West Coast. And we're actually going to be doing something dope tone where I'm actually going to be broadcasting this on Instagram as well as a recorded situation. And in all fairness, tone, um, you know, hip hop is a place where you're not supposed to be biting off of other people. Never. But here in the infamous hour, it's like, it doesn't it it doesn't it, this doesn't pertain to podcasters and radio people because once they see me with this amazing uh situation on instagram they will be doing the same thing so look out for that make sure where you saw it first here on the infamous hour so of course i have my co-host tone who's going to be humble but this guy's not humble Let, let's talk about some of his accolades they've been doing first of all sirius oh. xm channel 43 rock the bells with grandmaster Cass. let's go Everyday uh, Sirius XM Shade 45, noon to four. He doesn't have time for the Infamous Hour anymore with uh, I Destroy and Lord Seer. Oh, man, don't say that. Always time for you, Inf, bro. And, and quietly behind the scenes, he's running the biggest show on the planet. Sway in the morning, Tom Vera. What's up? Welcome back to the Infamous Hour. Hey, what up, man? What up, man? Listen, any opportunity I can get to hang out with an OG in hip-hop, somebody who's a true pioneer to the game, I'm there. I love the guests that we get on the show um, honestly, I'm I'm impressed with the guests you're able to pull. And the guest that we have today is uh, somebody with an impressive resume, somebody who's done a lot for the culture out. You know, I, I don't want to say who it is yet, but yeah, I'll let you introduce them. But I'm pumped for this interview. Most definitely. Uh, you know, so Tom, we've been talking about expanding the map a little bit when we first Back. started the infamous hour. We're from New York. So we had like a lot of New York guys, um, you know, down the list. You can just go cool G rap. We, we've had everybody on here. And when we started season two, we had JT Money from Miami. So I, I thought that it was only right for season three. We bring the super OG Oakland zone, Bay area zone been rocking since the nineties. Okay. I don't know how many albums he got. I, th- I think five is listed, but God knows how many albums he got. Plus hieroglyphics. One of my favorite groups of all time. Woo! Let's talk about it. Casual. Welcome to the infamous hour. What's up? What up? What up? What up? Thanks for having me, man. Wonderful. Yeah, introduction. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you. Having me. Uh, uh, casual, I have to say that one of my favorite records, personal favorite records of all time, is the Who A plus mix. <laughs> okay, now 
I, I'm going to admit to you, like, I like this beat so much that I tried to recreate the beat like six times and I couldn't. Found the sample. <laughs> Just like for personal preference. But, um, you know, hieroglyphics, right? Let, let, let's start there. Now, mm. here on the East Coast, you know, we revere Wu-Tang, like mm. Wu-Tang. But, you know, hieroglyphics is like your version of Wu-Tang pre-Wu-Tang in a sense, right? So how difficult was it to manage this amount of this many personalities into one group, being that guys were solo artists and they were also collective groups? Well, first, that remix was amazing. I mean, that do, 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 do. That beat was stupid, so, bro. That was one to tap in and shout out to A-plus with the fly uh, production, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I think for all crews in hip hop, hieroglyphics really got the, 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 the most natural and a different dynamic uh, because we grew up together and really started in elementary school. Like a lot of cats, like, yeah, we grown up together too, but like I'm talking about since kindergarten B, mm -hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Me and uh, A plus introduced me to Dale at, in order to trade asteroids for Yars Revenge. And so a lot of our connection, you know what I'm saying, was seeing that we got a long time that we was together before the industry. You feel me? It kind of like just, it, it, our relationship is just different. Like we didn't meet because we was fly rappers. We were friends who turned ourselves into fly rappers yeah. by practicing really hard with each other. And so, you know, our dynamic uh, was there before we even uh, introduced it to the industry. And it kind of like just as a natural thing you could kind of look at some uh, Adam Sandler movie where the old buddies get back together from 20 years ago. Uh, that, that's how Hyro uh, it reunites. And, you know, we still got that old fraternity and camaraderie and brotherhood. Big facts. I love that. I love that. First of all, casual, let me say, pleasure having you on the show. Your Thank name, you. I love the simplicity of your name, just casual. It sounds <laughs> like when I'm playing NBA 2K and I make my player and they tell me, what do you want the temperament of your player to be? Just casual. You feel me? <laughs> but um, no, thank you for being on the show. I got to say, um, whenever the word hieroglyphics is mentioned around OGs, they know the name. Like mm -hmm. the real Gs of hip hop. Even the mm -hmm. dudes out here in New York, they hear hieroglyphics. They hear Dell. They hear casual. They're like, oh, we're familiar with their music. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you attribute to like to like having what did you do to earn that respect in, in the hip hop community? Like besides just being consistent with the music, what do you think it was about your specific style? Well, honestly, I think we got to credit some of the people who inspired us specifically. Uh, groups like De La Soul, rappers like Brother J, Chill Rob G, Lord Finesse, all coming out of the East Coast. Because at the time, let's just keep it real, East Coast dealt with the lyricism and the West Coast dealt with more gangster party rap in the 90s. And so we was like, nah, man, and we were attracted to the lyricism and but we didn't want to sound like no East Coast group. Therefore, it allowed us to develop styles that you couldn't find on the West Coast, mm -hmm. but didn't necessarily sound like an East Coast rapper. And so the lyricists, the people who love the lyric side of the art took notice to that first. And that happened to be a lot of people, uh, you know, in, the, in on the East Coast in New York. They like knew what we was doing. Uh, you know, like, wow, look, listen to this. It's a different style. You know what I mean? And, and they, they basically, they was the ones that really could identify that we were bringing something new uh, lyrically to the table first guys in New York. Well said, well said. Well said. Um, 
is, is it an unfair assessment, two-part question, that um, in, in the early 90s, people kind of equivalated East Coast hip-hop with lyricism mm-hmm. um, and did it equivalent across the map? And then also kind of referring to, like, Souls of Mischief, like yourself, like Dell, as, like, alternative, quote-unquote, hip-hop, right? Is that mm-hmm. an unfair assessment? I mean, because you guys were different, the way you bounce on the beat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is a fair assessment uh, of the the early 90s. They definitely attributed uh, all the lyrics to the East Coast. And then when we came out of the West Coast with lyrics, we didn't fall right into a bag or a category they could place us in. And we found this new, they didn't even call hip-hop alternative before that. Like, you know what I'm saying? They started to lump us into some new category. Uh, which was fine for us because if we are a genre, to if we can fall into a genre, or if we could create our own, it all works just as good. You know what I'm saying? It's just like uh, I don't think that's unfair to say. It's just how people were at the time. Yeah. I mean, because to keep it real, before hieroglyphics, there were not a lot of artists coming out of the West Coast whose focus was lyricism. Yeah. I recently read in an article, Dave East was saying that lyricism has never left hip hop. But the thing is, the people that are saying that lyricism has kind of gone away are the people that only listen to mainstream stuff. So here's the thing. I know you agree with the statement that lyricism never left because you've been doing it. You've literally Mm -hmm. you've never stopped working since the 90s. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, he's 100% correct. Lyricism never left, but there's a pendulum that swings over the uh, the styles of hip-hop. You know, you could take just like five boxes and swing a pendulum over, and for, uh, for one moment, it's over party music. For another moment, it's over, you know what I'm saying? It's over uh, emo-type style stuff. And then, and then at a certain point in time, it always swings back to one to hear rappers who's pushing the envelope lyrically you know what i'm saying that just happens but as the pendulum swings to me sometimes i understand uh music is temporal and yo it's not too much new stuff under the sun and at different time periods in this in this experience people are going to want different things and so I don't really get discouraged when lyricism isn't as popular. I start to like look towards the future and I might even hibernate knowing that I'm a real good uh, artist with longevity. I'm like, they not listening to what I'm doing right now. Then I'll be back in three, four years with some of that fire when y'all ready to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's interesting about talking about looking to the future because you were kind of the first person that I saw that had an album, uh, a name with a hashtag. Right. So so you had like the rap God mm-hmm. and it's like hashtag rap God. And, and, and let's talk about this. I mean, this is like 2000 something. I mean, yeah. we're, we're not even really talking hashtags at this time. Right. Yeah. You know, hashtags kind of came like ap- after MySpace. So like Instagram, which that wasn't relevant at the time. You know, how forward thinking was that to kind of predict that this is where you were going to be able to find content via hashtag and then to take control of like the rap God. Yeah, well, you want to know uh, if you actually go look at some of the first first pound hashtag rap gods, you won't see nobody but me using that because, uh, again, I just 
even with uh and it will segue in the high world coin and us high world coin and us even being some of the first uh rappers selling music on the internet it's mm-hmm. always something to me to add to your artistry uh new jet setting technologies like that's just like even superheroes got a utility belt you know they could throw they got their powers but they also gonna go grab some new technologies just to make them even raw I felt like that as a rapper, uh, we also need to do the same things. And so I'm like, yeah, we got super fly bars, but plus we selling them on the internet in 1994 or five on, on a form of a medium people don't even know about called MP3s. Mm-hmm. People still trying to figure out an iPod at these times. And so it it's just a part of being fly to me is having the things first. Remember, having it first with something in hip hop. Uh, being the only one with it used to be something in hip hop, and and you know we still uh, we still espouse these attributes. You know, so. Facts, facts. Um, casual, lighthearted question, bro. Mm-hmm. First, first of all, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Casual from Hieroglyphics here. Living, living legend, living legend, bro. Salute. <laughs> Listen, lighthearted question. So, bro, why are you not on Mount Westmore? Why are you not part of the group at Mount Westmore? Oh, man. I, I mean, I think the Mount Westmore band members overlook dudes on this level. See, obviously, you know I'm on the lyrical Mount Westmore, of course, right? But right. see, as far I mean, you know, and as far as there's a group Mount Westmore, right? And it's a collection of artists who are some of the greatest from the West, but they also all reached a status with record sales that I have never reached. And so that would make them overlook uh, certain artists like us. But for them to keep it a buck, if they would mix that up a little bit better, like, yeah, okay, now we got some of the millions platinum sellers with some of the hardest dudes from the underground and all and then that'd be cool i would welcome that uh, invite of something of the sort. yeah and one of the members of mount westmore e40 obviously highly respected in, in northern california yes, um, yes you can't talk to anybody from north california without them bringing up e40 and you actually have a relationship with him you've worked with him in the past yeah. um, tell, tell me how it is being around that man uh, 40 is a wonderful character to be around. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you see him on TV, it's the same exact thing. Like you might think it stops or turns off, but it don't. Fodia addressed me in a way, and I just be like, bruh, what is you talking about, bruh? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? He like checking my weeples, you know what I'm Understand the shit? And I'm like, oh, okay. And so that's just a marvelous person to have the honor to, because I ain't fretting like we, like we, you know, we besties and nothing. We didn't have run-ins and, and they was all beautiful, all wonderful. It was just an honor to be, uh, you know, in his presence. And because he's he's one of the biggest grinders. I'm not even talking about on that, like, oh, well, you know, you got to say good stuff about people when people mention them. I'm saying it like this, like he was one of the biggest hustlers to independently be able to do it coming up out of the Bay Area. You know what I'm saying? He took the two short template, and ran it from Vallejo and showed us Oakland dudes how you could still run that same old game. It seemed like in the, it was it was 95, 96, but it seemed like the future back then. The short was running it in 88, selling records out the trunk and doing all this stuff other artists didn't do. So Hyro, we took that same template, and I even have one album that you could only get 
from me back in the day. It was called Truck Driver. You could only get it from a hand-to-hand purchase from me because I wanted to keep on espousing that same selling records out the truck, West Coast funk that Too Short and E-40 taught us so much about. Most definitely. If you're tuning in right now, this is the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Hour. I'm a day as we are live on Facebook.com slash BoomBap Nation. And we're also live on Instagram. We are scanning the chat, looking for questions. Casual uh, debut album, Fear Itself. Amazing project. My favorite record on this project is We Got It Like That. And I also like Follow the Funk. But what is your record on this uh, project that defines the casual sound? Fear Itself? Uh Probably one of the ones you mentioned, or I didn't mean to. Uh, okay. I didn't mean to. Not because it was probably because of the way that the song came to me. You know, I really did favor all of the battle rappy stuff, but that was mm-hmm. kind of like a single. And I just liked it. And then really because Biggie rapped over the beat and I produced the beat, it kind of made it a monumentous uh, production for me. Facts. I want to ask you kind of like an offbeat question, and I want you to use this as an opportunity to kind of talk your shit a little bit, okay? <laughs> now, you, you've probably gotten this question a million times, like, who would you go against in a versus? But I don't want to ask you that one. I want to mm-hmm. ask you, if, like, let's say you did agree to do a versus, which song from your deep cut catalog do you think would just surprise the hell out of everyone and have the whole place turned up and shut your competition down? Okay, so let's change the setting for Versus so I can feel comfortable answering. Versus is just full with hip-hop heads who know what's up about bars. You see what I'm saying? They ain't on the record sales, and they understand old-school hip-hop and lyricism. Now I feel comfortable in that platform, you know what I'm saying? Because I would be like, ah, this isn't an appropriate uh, venue for me. But but to Mm -hmm. keep it a buck... I go into I go into my bag of some of my uh features and some of my cameos because I would think of verses like that, how how good you gas it and how much you borrowing would matter, like it like it did for Jada Kiss. Jada Kiss was whipping out freestyles that wasn't even yeah. on his album that was allowing him to win the verses. Yeah. So I go get like a, a a bar I spit with Sean P. Uh, and mm-hmm. I got a, I got a few, a couple of them on that Sean P. Master P. I think uh, was mm-hmm. his mixtape. That's one that I hit him from the cut with. I'll probably grab a joint I got with Ras Cast off my newer album called mm-hmm. Dance with the Gun. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. at Versus, they want to hear the classics too. So I probably would have did, uh, got it like that. And you said that was your favorite song. Uh, one of your favorite songs on yeah. the album? Uh, yeah, that, that was def- that's definitely one of my favorite songs of the album. Yeah, I would have whipped that out too just because of the tempo of it and just being mm-hmm. able to jump around. But you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Of course. You know? Now, speaking of features, I mean, obviously people know you from the Souls of Mischief uh, limitations joint from the 9-3 to Infinity. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you collab with everybody. Edo G, I mean, mm-hmm. Everlast, Dilated People, as you mentioned, Sean Price. But mm-hmm. inadvertently, we kind of all have a co- uh, 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 connection here in the room because you collaborated with Curious out of yep. New York, Curious mm-hmm. George. And, and Curious is actually the guy that started Lord Seer which mm-hmm. is the show that we're on, on Sirius XM, mm-hmm. uh, Shade 45, round pause for Lord Seer, and yeah. Curious. And, and Curious has, has a new project coming out as well. So how important was it for you to collaborate with not only artists on the East and the West, right? Because 94, 95 is like, it, it's a little different. We got like a little temperature in the room, like pockets going crazy, mm-hmm. guys are going crazy. So yeah, how but- important was it to keep that connection? 
That wasn't important to me. It wasn't important. Like, I need some dudes from the East and from, from the West. George was really my man. Yo, me and Lord Sear go back like a flow jack. You can ask him, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to Lord Sear, what's up? I mean, yeah. we go back to like, 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 oh, y'all on the, uh, Y'all on the East Coast, y'all yep. willing to, they was like, y'all willing to roll to the hood hood? So yeah. they showed us the real hood hood in New York when we was just some rappers from the Bay, you know what I'm saying, trying to learn what was up. It was mm -hmm. Laura Sear, Cotty, George, you know what I'm saying, all of the old school CM crew. You feel me? And oh, then CM mob. Let's talk yeah, about it. Hold on, round applause for the CM mob. Exactly. So we're going <laughs> back way back. And then you know what I mean? When they would reach out to the West Coast, me and George, we run in the streets in, in San Francisco at the conventions and at the gatherings. We ain't even talking about rap. We just buddied up with 40 ounces kicking it. And that's how you meet certain people. Like, we working, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because we naturally clicked. So it was, it was less about making sure I had some dudes with an East Coast presence on my record and more about the guys that I really met that that was genuine that I had to rock with was getting rocked with. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Casual. Something I've recently learned about rappers is that in order for them to stay sharp, they listen to a lot of other rappers. So I'm sure you've like sat down and listened to like thousands of albums in your lifetime. Now, a while back we had Capone and Dillinger on the show mm -hmm. and they, they formed a kind of like a duo together. And then mm -hmm. it was kind of unlikely because, you know, it's like East coast, West coast, but they made it work. Now let's say uh, you were to get to choose to work with somebody from the East coast and do like a, a kind of like a duo thing with them. Who you feel is somebody from the East coast that compliments you? Man, I can't even, I mean, no disrespect to the levels of hip hop, but I can't really go like small or not even nobody on my level. Like I, I was be shooting for the stars. Like why wouldn't I say Kanye or something mm. like that? You know what I mean? Because not only, sometimes I'll be really thinking people need my attitude in the studio. I was <laughs> like, man, yay need me to be around. I mean, I wish he just knew me, you know what I'm saying? For certain reasons. I mean, but not again, not because of he reached such a height or not because, but he said out of his own mouth on plenty specials that we inspired him. Hieroglyphics, Souls of Mischief, he talked all about it on his MTV live special about how we was these fly dudes coming up out the West Coast. And I'm like, damn, that's a shame that we could go through 30 years of an industry and never work with each other because we both hold each other in such high regard. But on another level, uh, not even coastwise cats like Mad Lib, dude. Some cats, mm. every track I hear from them, I be like, every track sound like something I want to rock. Why haven't we gotten together? Uh -huh. You know, what I mean, I love to do some casual Mad Lib, casual Alchemist. I mean, you know, guys I worked with before, but probably don't know that. Uh, in my multiverse, we got an album somewhere in one of those yeah. universes. You know. What I mean? Yeah. You know, when I go through your catalog, uh, Return of the Backpack, uh, just mm -hmm. the name title uh, resonates with me because growing up in the 90s, it was like Mob Deep. It was mm -hmm. uh, Death Row. It was uh, Capone and Noriega. It was like real like gangster rap. But when we look at rappers right now, um, they're kind of all like backpack rappers in a sense, right? The J. Cole, the Kendrick Lamar, mm -hmm. even Wayne to a certain extent, Drake, and we can go down the list. Um, backpack rap. Is that mm -hmm. a fair assessment? Well, it's definitely a fair assessment, but it's the backpack got blown open. See, this is what happened. 
Like back, I mean, let's just keep it real. It was a it was a genre that we was very proud of at one time. Then it got labeled, and that label became a pejorative, a backpack rap. Uh, because the gangsters so quote unquote to show how they were different from the guys who were uh, who were doing quote unquote backpack rap started to again use that term uh negatively but guys who were considered backpack rappers didn't think it was a negative term and so some guys picked it up and championed it but if you look at the outcome of all of these movements Backpack one, because now you either dumb and you promote stupid stuff. I mean, let's just keep it real. There's like a drug genre right now where you can barely understand what the artists are saying. You know, I'm not I'm not talking about mama rap. I'm talking about something that really emerged after all of the heavy use of Percocets, which yeah. which is a product, a fruit of gangster rap. Yeah. Or you got the guys, the guys that don't oh, know they backpack anymore. They don't know they backpack no more because the Talk backpacks got, they turned a designer and shit. That's what happened. So mm-hmm. the backpack rappers start wearing Gucci and Louis backpacks and then they help to lose a little bit of the stigma. But, mm-hmm. it, but, and so then Kanye talking about he faked like he was a backpacker for hella long until so he could do it. I don't necessarily believe that's true. You was a hundred percent backpack, but what happened was backpack just ain't a thing no more now it's like seven just like you said name a rapper they are really backpack but yeah. nobody claims that as a thing because it was a pejorative at one time yeah because i just seen like the la leakers freestyle with corday right and it's mm-hmm. like he is like a backpack rapper right mm-hmm. and, and when we look at the top lyrics right now they are backpack rappers but why why is this acceptable right because it's it, it, hip-hop is so connected to the streets and i've always felt like we have to disconnect it because the business of hip-hop is actually not the streets people don't understand that like they think they're going to apply principles to the block but when, when they walk into the corporate room we are not on the corner anymore it, it's different exactly so, so why do you think this has happened uh, well, well, I want to break it down just all the way how this really transpired in the real hip hop. In the 90s, some dudes would come into the club with big double gooses and puff coats on, mm-hmm. and some would really come with backpacks on, remember? And they'd yeah. be like, why are you bringing your backpack to the club? I remember. That's how it really, really started. People would be like, yo, cats is coming in the club with backpacks. At first, that wasn't no nerds doing that. You feel me? It wasn't like suckers or squares doing that. It was just a different genre of people. But now that, again, now that the packs turned designer and now that it ain't really labeled the same way, guys like Corday could be considered backpack to us, but not by the rest of the world. You know what I'm saying? They just seeing it through designer everything nowadays. And so some of the guys, our stuff wasn't fly, basically. But if you could take it back, 20 years ago, and if we was rocking all Lucci and Gooey backpacks when we first stepped into the genre, they wouldn't even, I think that backpack would have been above gangster if we did it the way that the the modern cats do it. But they still backpack, they just don't understand it. You know what I'm saying? So I look at it. And it ain't negative, by the way. Casual dropping gems on us, dropping straight knowledge. Appreciate that. Like, let me say, let me ask you, Casual, like, obviously a person with with your experience and the, the amount of years you've put in the game, you've, you've obtained a lot of knowledge and you've, uh, you've been around a lot of studios. You've worked with so many artists. Are you currently like mentoring somebody like trying to bring them to a certain level or do you got to, are you signing artists? Or are you just kind of like, you just consult when you can 
I do consult when I can. I wish I was mentoring a bunch of artists, but that ain't how it's been set up for me. Uh, right now, we're opening up a platform with our cryptocurrency, Hyrocoin Bar, that will allow uh, other artists to fund their projects uh, through our system. And so everything we do, we want to help other artists. We want to use the knowledge that we've obtained to set up systems and platforms and auxiliaries for people to get it without going through everything we went through. And so it hasn't, for me, turned out to be on a individual or a case-by-case basis. Mm. It's been like, yo, think for the group, build something to help the group, and hopefully hopefully, if the group adopts it, uh, it will help push hip-hop in a certain direction. Most definitely. Right now we're live. This is the infamous hour here on Boom Bat Nation, Facebook, and of course on Instagram. And real quickly, I want to introduce y'all to my new product, 97 Piff. This is Hydro and Haze, old school Hydro and Haze infused into an organic butter. You can turn anything into an edible. So we are in the future, and this is kind of like what the game has become, the edibles, the cannabis, the cannabis industry. Now, looking from New York, right? Cannabis in, in, in L.A. was always a thing, right? And now that the industry is spreading and, and people are legalizing, even though it was not legalized federally, why do you think we don't have a federal legalization of cannabis at this point? Do you think they're trying to figure out the taxation? Like, what is holding this back? Uh, just, I think it's just, and that's a good question, and we also should examine prohibition and the prohibition happen. Uh, I mean, you know, did this happen? I mean, I'm talking about the legalization of alcohol. Did it happen alcohol. first at the state level? And did, did no. the federal government take years to adapt, or did it happen yeah. nationally first? It was I'm nationally? Not sure. I'm not sure, well, but it, it was probably state by state. It was probably the same thing. And so I'm thinking we're probably following the same protocol. The slow moving big wheels of the uh, federal government mm-hmm. just takes time to adapt. And, and you know, if you're thinking about running a nation, really like five years ain't long to change, uh, to think about how to change a law like that. I mean, how long has we been like legal to where you could really hit the dispensary? Maybe almost 10 years now. They yeah. could have moved there. They are dragging their feet with it. No, they're and dragging. they're creating situations, you know, you could like, oh, uh, how can I take this weed on an airplane? Like, you know what I mean? It's legal when I'm on the ground, but when I'm in the air, is it illegal now? Because yeah. I'm in federal space. And so I'm not the, the real, I don't know much about that, but I think it's just the slow wheels of the big government turning you know man my man said i don't know much about that but gave the most like eloquent (laughs) (laughs) speech before that no you're definitely a smart guy and uh, we appreciate your knowledge like what is it like what is it at this point in hip-hop right you say you're not really working with artists like but i know you're still hungry making music in the studio because i know Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. love for the music is still there but like what can we look forward to in like the next two to three years from you? Man, we well on, on the 28th of this month, we got the brand new album, the remix album by my man, Dan Perry, the mm. art of reanimation. You know what I mean? It's coming. It's strong. It's some nice tunes on there. I want y'all to check it out. It's a lot of new material on there too. And really uh, anybody who follow me artistically, this is like some of the, First times where I was uh, free enough to drop just straight freeze on on records again. I lubricated my brain and got it back to where I could turn on the microphone, say record, spit the bars and be done with the song. Uh, And it it was something I probably only done on like 10% of the uh, music I've done in my uh, earlier career, but I was able to do some of that on the art of reanimation. 
You mean like freestyle the actual joints? Well, yeah, but not. I don't want to act like it was freestyle because there's a consistent string of spontaneity that uh, is, is is a freestyle. But I might stop when it get whack. But I ain't writing it. But <laughs> I just honest. turn on the mic and be spitting. And if I say something I don't like, I stop it. And that pause breaks the uh, consistent string of spontaneity, yeah. which won't allow me to call it a freestyle. Others are lying, just be like, yeah, that's freestyle. And it is. But a real freestyle, you don't stop and think for two minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, here on the Infamous Hour, we have a top five segment. We mentioned all the top five things in hip-hop. We've had top five uh, rappers, uh, producers with bars. We've had top five this, top five that. So here's the question. Top five hip-hop albums of all time. Go for it. All right, top five hip-hop albums of all time. And I don't even know how my order coming to me. But number five is going to be... The America, I mean, the Ice Cube record, uh, which one is that? KKK, America KKK, but what was it called? I forgot. Yeah, it, uh, it was America's, it was America and had three Ks. Yeah, most just a, the, America's Most Wanted, maybe with the three Ks. So that yeah. Ice Cube album is one of the top five albums in uh, hip hop. Jay-Z's, uh, what is it, the one with Reasonable Doubt on it? Is that the name of the yeah, album? Yeah, Reasonable Doubt, yep. Yeah, Reasonable Doubt. I mean, that's like uh, another top one. I got to say Illmatic because- Oh, there we go. Uh, you know, hip-hop, yeah. Hip-hop wouldn't be what it is without Illmatic. Uh, another record that's really, really big to me, believe it or not, uh, it would be the Public Enemy record produced by the Shockleys back when- uh, when they was bring the noise and all that, mm -hmm. we don't mm -hmm. want to respect game. But if we really look through how much they made hip hop a social thing, and, and they did more than a lot of artists did, and this yeah, ain't yeah. no particular order again. And so my number one don't mean it's better than the other ones. But currently, the number one. Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to go back then. So, so you got four. Probably you got Ice Cube. Is it Ice Cube? Yep. You got Illmatic, uh, yeah. and we have a uh, Public Enemy. So I think a reasonable doubt. Oh, I got you. Oh, yeah, your reasonable doubt. So I got, got one, one more. more. And we'll give you an honorable mention. Okay, I'm gonna go to to Run DMC, and uh, was it tougher than leather or whatever? Was that an album called that or whichever album? It was like their second album profile. I might even go all the way back to their first one, dude. I'm sorry. This is just how I mess with it. So. I'm thinking Run DMC when they talking about yeah, like tougher than leather. That yeah, is the yeah, yeah. One of them all Run DMC ones. If it wasn't tougher than leather, it was the one right before it. But for me, and this is me saying it, and and mm. this is just how I was affected by these albums over the yep. years. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, you mentioned one of your albums was Illmatic, and recently Illmatic's been in the news because Pete Rock. Is claiming that some royalties are owed to him from that album. Yeah. yeah. Is, there, is there any classic albums out there that owe you any money? No, definitely not. And I I, I don't want to understand. I don't understand how my peers that I sat with. I heard Snoop Dogg even say that. I heard Warren yeah, G I, say I that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this is what happens when we walk through an industry not talking to each other and just hold, poking our chest out. And then we mm. get old men and we talking about we ain't got money that other rappers knew how to get. Mm -hmm. I had people, we ain't never, matter of fact, go do the history. Jive mm -hmm. never did a deal that they wasn't taking to publishing until they met the souls of mischief. Mm -hmm. The first time mm -hmm. they ever, that's how we negotiated. And that's who we had rocking with us. Anybody can see is that the truth. They went mm -hmm. through KRS-One, they went through Tribe Called Quest, all of them artists, 
And when they got the souls, we was like, we need our publisher. I sold 50% of mine, which mm. was still good because they was taking everybody's stuff back then. Mm. So really, that was just part of it. I mean, I wish that we would talk. On, there needs to be a forum for artists to talk about their business so that we can mm. make sure our brothers ain't getting ripped off for money that they have earned and deserve. Yeah, because really? I mean, you've been ahead of the curve. Like the Smash Rockwell album was on like the Hieroglyphics label, right? Is mm-hmm. is that is that correct? So yes, sir. Um, you know, we have a lot of independent artists that watch this show, right, and listen to mm-hmm. us on the radio. Um, can you explain uh, the difference between like the publishing thing and owning your masters? Because the mm-hmm. narrative is pushed so much. It's like you you hear like Distro Kid run ads and say, oh well, if you distribute us, you own your masters. But if I pay for my studio time, I own my masters anyway. So like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but, people keep going. No, but no, but, but but like back then, like what was the difference between the two? Because obviously they would give you like an advance, and then you would go record in the studio. They would own. So so talk about publishing and owning your masters and how that's relevant. To yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Owning your masters, that's another thing. One of those terms that became a catchphrase, like keep it real to where mm. you, people say it, but they don't really understand what it's all about. Mm. Uh, and, and and even owning your masters, if you don't know how to fully and completely exploit, exploit your music might not even be the best thing. And mm. so this is why we do have record labels because there's someone that can't make music, but they know better how to exploit it than a person who spends time working on it all day. You know what I'm saying? Now, when it comes to, and that's another thing, owning your masters won't necessarily even have anything to do with your publishing. If you, if you understand that there are two different sides of, it's two different sides of it. So what I mean is this, Jive Zamba owned my master's but they didn't know. I, I, let me let me correct that because I need people to understand what's going on. Jive and Zamba are two different entities that called themselves Jive Zamba because mm. they work together. But this is what would used to happen. Jive would cut an artist a record deal. They don't the record deal mean they're going to own the masters, but they're not going to have rights to your publishing because Owning your masters don't give away rights to your publishing. And this is what we need to know. What happens is they'll refer you to their publishing company, Zamba, and to Mm -hmm. say to do this record deal, you got to do this publishing deal. And so this is how we figured that out. We like, what? We ain't going with them other people with y'all publishing. But 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 instead of talking about our situation individually, what we need to learn is the ownership of your masters, unless you got some manipulative publishing. Uh, literature in your contract, it should have nothing to do with your publishing anyway. And, and secondly, you were 100% correct. As soon as you produced the, the content or the composition and place it in a tangible form, that first tangible form is your, a master is a short for the master copy. So sometimes when we start talking about owning your masters, we don't even, if you got the master copy, you own your masters. Now, if you take the original master copy that you first recorded it on and you sell it to a label so that they can exploit it, then you don't own your masters. But that has not affected you negatively yet because it could affect you positively. They might have more stores they could get it in than you could have got it in. And that helps. The and machine so pushing it. it. That's exactly. So that's why it, it's, it's, it's a flip 
it's a coin. It's a coin. You can land on heads or you can land on tails when dealing with selling masters and, and publishing deals. But I'm not an artist who can say from my experience that publishing deals are necessarily bad. If you look at the 50, I tell people, I sold my publisher for 50 grand in 1992. They put me in Die Hard 2. They put mm. me on all kinds of movies. I, did. I even had a chance to be in Menace to Society because their job was to exploit my music so they could make their 50 Gs back. Money back. And so it kind of worked out. out for me, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And if you pick your prices right, why would you be complaining? And so uh, it's just it's different for everyone, but but just to close this out, you're 100 right that the ownership of the masters and the publishing, if you got an honest contract, would be two different things anyway. You know what I'm saying? Man, you have to forgive me. I, I almost forgot we were in the middle of an interview. I felt like I was in the middle of a master class right now. <laughs> I gotta I gotta tell you, casual. Um, I recently heard um Issa Rae, she's the the star and the producer of the show Insecure on HBO. She deals with the music industry in the in the publishing sense because she licenses a lot of music for her show. She said the music industry is full of thieves, crooks, uh, just you know, really, it's it's a really mm-hmm. sexist uh, industry to be a part of, worse than worse than Hollywood almost. Mm-hmm. But uh, since you were in it, would you would you agree with her statement or say that you know it just depends on how you come into the game? Oh no, I would have to definitely agree with her statement. It's uh, it's almost like uh, it's an unregulated industry. There's not, you know, you could go in a lot of industries and there's a lot of things that you can't, can and can't do. In the music industry, it's only like two can't do's. Like you can't pay for play, you know what I mean? And what else is another industry rule? They can almost do anything they want after that. They can sign you for a 360 deal that encompasses everything you do in life mm-hmm. after in life. Yeah, exactly. You trying to sign your because you made a hot song. Yeah, you sign the deal that take, take away exactly your movie rights, your cannabis rights, everything that has your likeness bearing on it. They can do that. That should be illegal. They could never do that in, in, in another genre. Imagine if the NFL did that. So now mm. the NFL making all the money from Jordans. You know, or the Chicago Bulls is making all the money from Jordan shoes. And so, yes, the industry is set up wild it's unregulated but it's not like a scary place you just got to be visceral you can never let the prize get better than the process you know what i'm saying that's what we do we be i mean it's just like you know somebody saying yo i'll give you a million dollars you're not going to read the paper thoroughly because you think about the million dollars and so that's letting the prize get before the process if you keep the process and respect the process and keep it as for what it was respected for what it's for, you gonna you can win in a lot of situations in music. What's up, man? Super dope conversation. Once again, we're live. This is the infamous album. I'm your host, the infamous album today is Tone Vieira's here. We have casual, legendary Oakland Bay Area artists. Now, the resurgence of hip hop is very relevant now with the pandemic uh uh coming amongst us. And I think pre-pandemic, even myself as a DJ. I was super frustrated, like just completely frustrated because I'm, I'm watching kids like I have several teenagers in my house and they're resonating to music that, in my opinion, is not music in a sense where they're kind of like formulating ideas and creating like a body of work. But is it fair for us to judge as an OG, the younger generation, for what they call hip hop? Right. Because when I was a kid, I remember my mom and my aunt were like frustrated with me because I was listening to Mob Deep. 
They're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, Mob Deep is not hip hop, like KRS One or Poor Righteous Teachers mm-hmm. or Trap Call Quest. That was hip hop because it, it set like a quote unquote positive message, which it did. But I was mm-hmm. listening to 90s gangster rap. So, as OGs of the hip hop, should we uh, judge these young kids on what their version of hip hop is? Um, we shouldn't, but we should. I, I, I don't like uh, elders who follow the youth. So mm-hmm. we should give them their sandbox to create, to build a castle, to play with, but we shouldn't like kick over the little castle. We should just, you know what I'm saying? We should let yeah. it grow and develop into what it should be. You know what I mean? Uh, like at the same time, all genres need guardians and gatekeepers. They just don't need to be anal and so uh, hurt with butt sore when something new reaches a height, you know what I'm saying, that you had not reached. And that's really a lot of the problem. Like, cats be like, oh, man, this shit is crap. But you really wouldn't be saying this crap if only a little few people listen to it. You just be yeah. all ignoring it. The fact that it's reaching heights that we have not reached with traditional conscious bars and stuff like that, you know, because it's more, I mean, it takes less skill and so more people can adapt to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, some of those songs are like riding bicycles, uh, uh, how riding bicycles, uh, everybody know how to do it. Uh, and you listen to some of this user, I call it user-friendly music, you know, without having to crap on it. You know what I'm saying? Some of these user-friendly songs are just better for certain scenarios for people. But I don't think that, uh, I think we should offer guidance without, like kicking over the castles, basically, you know what I mean? So an opinion right here. Um, I would say like from the mid eighties to like the early two thousands, uh, most people would say that was like the golden era of hip hop. A lot of great music came out during that time. Your music came out during that time. Do you think there'll ever be like another golden era like that? Or is it just going downhill from here? Uh, I I think just if we go back to the pendulum analogy, I definitely think a new golden era will uh, spawn again. Uh, There will be somebody that come out with a new style of rapping that we never heard nobody rapping like again, you know what I'm saying? Then all the, well, that happened recently, but it was more or less for, uh, well, well, let's just keep it a buck. To me, this is in my assessment when Hyro came out, we came out with a style of rapping that changed hip hop, so to speak. Uh, there were a lot of people trying to rap like us, and then uh, syllabics became more recognizable and noticeable. Uh, then Snoop Dogg came out. Uh, you started, I mean, you know, if you ask me stylistically, Dave East is in the Brother J Snoop Dogg uh art realm of art artistry you know what i mean i don't know if some can hear it but i can hear the inspirations and so there are certain things i don't know i don't want to start even i'm like calling names and saying this guy like that they might not agree but i hope y'all know i'm just coming from you know this is is pure conversation because you know we have a lot of people that watch us right so like people kind of need to hear this because our audience is generally like when they watch us on facebook we're kind of dealing with like a 45 and up audience right where these guys are like if it's not run dmc if it's not krs1 if it's not like you know rock him it's not hip-hop right so how do we move forward and how do we get the ogs to re Refine that spark in hip hop that they had in the 80s and 90s. Oh, uh, that's good. Well, um, 
unfortunately, if we hold on to old things, we become old ourselves. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? And that's how life works. Like you could just look at politics and there's certain old Republicans who wish things were how they were in the 50s and the 40s. And we kind of start being that way with hip hop. Like for real, you want it to be like the 90s? I don't necessarily want it to be like the 90s. I just want to, I don't want to see the genre I come from die out. But it doesn't necessarily have to be overpowered with a certain, uh, you know, we don't have to research. I just feel that's how I feel, you know what I mean? Before we uh, get out of here, um, casual. Gotta let us know what else is going on besides the music. What other projects can we can we expect from you? Like, uh, you know, Inf mentioned that he got the cannabis line. Like, can we expect the cannabis line from hieroglyphics? It, it's the crypto, bro. It's the crypto. It's, it's bringing it's bringing hip hop into that DeFi space. Mm. You know what I mean? See, DeFi is decentralized finance. And, and you know, if you want to finance something right now, you got to go into a central institution. Well, they created a technology that now we can fund projects with DeFi, with decentralized finance, meaning that we don't got to go to these big institutions no more, show them credit scores, give them all these bank statements in order to qualify for a loan to start up your business or do your new project. Instead, we can enter act with what's called DApp, decentralized applications, and interact with their protocol, participate, and have an opportunity to gain funding for certain things. So what we're working on right now, BAR, HiroCoin, our symbol is BAR, B-A-R, and it's basically our effort to crowdfund the build of a decentralized autonomous organization to fund the arts. And so basically, if you get 51% of the approval of the peers, your peers, you get funded. Mm. Uh, we'll give up to 2.5% of whatever we amassed in the pot to anyone in the pot who can gain that approval. So say we got a million dollars, you could write a proposal for up to 25 racks. It is no governing authority. It's simply if you get approval of 51% of the people who are down with this protocol, your wallet gets the tokens in it. And so I figured this would be a much better way to choose whose albums need to be having money behind it and stuff. We don't leave big executives in the office choosing who should be well supported. We can do that through a new democratic process that blockchain technology and cryptocurrency provides. Jesus, casual here on the Infamous Hour. <laughs> Drop the gems. We're live right now on Instagram and Facebook. Before we get out of here, I got two questions. Casual, I want right. to definitely talk about your album. Mm -hmm. Future of West Coast hip hop. Mm -hmm. Is it the Rowdy Rich style of hip hop or is it Nipsey Hustle style of rap? Oh, that's a good, good, good question. It's going to be the Nip style, you know what I'm saying? Because even though it's wonderful that I will, I will put Rowdy Rich along the Jimi Hendrix line of things. Okay. And, and, you know what I mean? And Nip is coming more, uh, I ain't saying more from the street, but that angle traditionally. We know he's selling us uh, street lessons, uh, mm -hmm. knowledge of how to persevere in a certain environment. And mm -hmm. I think that always will prevail in America and in our hoods. People who teaching you how to live in your hood. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You know, me and Tone, we took a trip to the West Coast. Uh, when did we go, Tone? Was it April or it was sometime last year? So we, we took a trip to the West Coast and we we had like this listening uh, session, right? Where independent artists pulled up and they played us their records. And 
I was amazed at how many artists on the West Coast still actually like rap rap, right? Because mm-hmm. if you come to New York City and you're expecting like Illmatic, like you're not getting that. Like you're yeah. getting like pop smoke, like super yeah. dumbed down. So mm-hmm. why and how has the West Coast been able to keep their authenticity with lyricism? Uh, because to keep it real, I think a lot of what happened on the East Coast was fan of money chasing, fan of like a fluff, like, you know, and no disrespect to the artists, but adopting styles that were not progressive to us because they weren't progressive. You see what I mean? Like, oh, let's go backwards a little bit. We've gotten too complicated. Let's roll back like the West Coast. Meanwhile, Yo, the West Coast... Talk, talk. We wasn't trying to be regressive. We just started slower than y'all. And y'all appreciated some of them ABC styles. And y'all was like, yo, we might be doing it. It was 50 who first, I mean, it happened before 50. But he even told you to go ahead and switch my style up. If they hate, let them hate. Watch the money pile up. But what he was doing was regressive. And we were trying to be progressive to rap as good as y'all. And so that's why you still got lyricists on the West Coast still trying to be as raw as Illmatic while y'all ain't even thinking about that. Y'all done that and y'all proved that already, you know? So so do you think like the Illmatic and like Cool G G rap style or like Big Pun was too progressive for hip hop where it was so rapid fire that the average person kind of couldn't understand it? I don't, I definitely don't agree with that. I think uh, Pun was, had some, uh, pop success and you know I'm not a hater I just or uh, whatever <laughs> crush a lot I'm yeah. not a player yeah. and so I don't think that I just think it's the artist who leads the genres in which way music is about to go and when hip hop decided to not want to lead anymore is when that happened uh, at one day I started coming to New York and y'all was looking like the west coast and it gave mm-hmm. me a particular advantage at that point like, oh, y'all about to start doing what my homie's doing? Y'all don't even know what the homies is doing. So now I got an advantage. But uh, when hip-hop wanted to stay in the forefront is when they was pushing the envelope a lot with the lyricism. Something happened and it switched. Now now we following the South. Y'all know how it is. But yeah. everybody deserves their chance. And so it's it's wonderful that it happens this way. But that is what happened. This, New York decided to not want to lead hip-hop anymore. And then decided to want to follow styles from other areas. Jesus, Tone. I tell you, man. That was the best assessment in the whole entire infamous hour of why New York (laughs) is not on top right now. Boom. All right. We was watching like, oh, y'all don't want to lead no more? All right. Well, who who is on us then? Oh, no. I see this clip everywhere now. We got posters everywhere. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Tone, final question before we get out of here. Man, bro, how how can I be like you, bro? I want to achieve your level of greatness. What do I have to do? Put in 30 oh, man. years a game or what? Well, saying something like that must let me know you already there. That's such a humble statement. I don't got no level that you should uh, want to achieve to, but I have had a, a cool career. I was able to get signed at 17, and so that's why I look so good while I'm talking to y'all. <laughs> I don't go. look like no old rapper. You understand <laughs> me? I get in a battle rap face right now and, t- and tip over the URL, but that ain't. Uh, that's a whole nother subject. I just think it, it's really staying on course, and, and 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 to keep it real, let's speak to our mental health, keeping our mental health strong, and let's keep let's speak to our morale. It'll be hard to persevere in an industry like this if you let your morale get down and you let your life start to get out of order. And these are some of the things I talk to the youth about. Like you can never be a fly rapper with a, your life all out of order. 
Jesus, round of applause, casual, our guest here on the Infamous Hour. Right. Uh, casual, we have a new project coming out on the 28th. What's the name of the project? Any yes. features? What can the fans expect for this? New uh, everybody on the album. The Art of Reanimation. We got Killer Priest, Dead Press, Planet Asia. Oh, I still, hold on. I said Dead Press. No, we don't got Dead Press. We got, <laughs> I don't even know who I was trying to say. We got Ghostface. Did I say that? We oh, got, got Ghostface. Yes. We got Planet Asia. We got Tri State, Razcast. I mean, a Razz-Cast. little bit of everybody on there. We got self titled Daniel Son. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's a really good one. It's the art of reanimation. We got it on vinyl and we got it on cassette. So make sure y'all tapping that. It's on Below System and it's going to be out on the 28th. Y'all, thanks for having me. Thanks for the love. I appreciate that, family members. Now, we definitely appreciate it. People want to follow you on social media. Where can they follow you at? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Casual Rap God on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Twitter's old Smash Rockwell, but I don't really been on that lately. Casual Rap God on IG. Follow Hierocoin so you can learn more about building this DeFi platform. And that's what it is. The blockchain is active. Uh, Tolvera, <laughs> where can they follow you out? Where they can listen to you on the radio? And oh, yo, every, every big You're too big for the infamous hour now. Like, it's like- uh, not at all. Not at all, bro. Listen, every day, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Rock the Bells, you catch me there alongside Grandmaster Kaz and MC Shah Rock, two of the original rap pioneers. They literally... Started the hip-hop game on their backs. Hey, catch me on noon to 4 p.m. on Shade 45 alongside Lord Sear and Destroy. That's what's happening right now. That's the vibes. Of course, they catch me the infamous Amadeus on Sirius XM Shade 45. Of course, 3 p.m. for the throwbacks on a Thursday. And now I am also live at noon. Round of applause. That's 9 a.m. on the West Coast playing nothing but new hip-hop music. Special thanks to my guest, Casual of Hieroglyphics. I love these conversations, Casual, because it's so, like, just conversational and informative for the peoples and the citizens of Boom Bap Nation. Peace to Isnas, and make sure uh, while you're navigating, we still are in a pandemic or a scandemic or a plandemic, however you want to <laughs> Called, make sure you uh stay safe, stay COVID 19, and use your judgment, people out here, right? Use your judgment. Till next time, peace and blessings. See you next time, the infamous hour.